Hey, hey everyone, welcome to Home Energy Design 101. How to design a beautiful home and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and life. Who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty, and my team and I do the best damn design in the country. But I'll help you create a beautiful design that is also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Anything is possible when you have the clarity and support to make it happen. And empowering others is how we empower ourselves. Hey, hey everyone, this is Amanda Gates. And today on Home Energy Design, I'd like to welcome you to Sa De Simone. He is a transformational health and wellness coach and he specializes in meditation. And I had the opportunity to meet with him when I was at Kripalu in January. One of the things that resonated the most with me about Saw is his very simple, just ease. He has this equanimity about him that is contagious. And when you see someone and meet someone like this, you want to know what it is that they're doing. A lot of his teachings are based in Buddhist principles, which is where a lot of my feng shui teachings come from. So I wanted to share with you more about what he does, who he is, to help you find equanimity, mindfulness, peace, and all those good above the cross emotions in your own life. That way you can change your own narrative about self-care, self-love, and really establish a relationship with yourself. I know it's uncomfortable. A lot of us don't wanna talk about it, but today we're gonna get into all that juiciness the uncomfortable stuff, and the good stuff. Are you ready? Let's do it. I think it'll be better. I, I've had a couple of people where we've done video and like, you know, they're they're like, are you like in outer space? And I'm like, no, I'm thinking about what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, how are you doing, darling? I am doing fantastic. And I just want to thank you so much for saying yes to this. I, I'm really excited to talk to you today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for thinking of me and for including me in this. It's it's a pleasure and a, and a joy. Thank you. Yeah, I um, you know, I met you at Kripalu. I know there was a ton of people there, but I feel like I resonated the most with you. Um, I am an advanced feng shui practitioner, and so a lot of um, my teachings, I still work under a grandmaster to this day. But you know, it's a lot of Buddhist, Tibetan. Indian tradition. We have over a hundred meditations in my school. And so a lot of what you were teaching and doing are things that I do every day. So I was like, yes, yes, yes. yes. This is what we need to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. so, yeah. So I, uh, you know, we've been, it's great because <clears throat> our producer from um, To Market um, is like, I need you to put together like a, a dream team, a list of all the people that you want on the show. And so, you know, we, we've got, we had already sent them like a list of 20, pe- 20 or 25 people. And I was like, okay, scratch all that. I need you to call saw right now. And I need to get him on <laughs> to the show. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah. So, so thank you. Thank you. A lot of the the show is, you know, like I said, I'm a feng shui practitioner, but um, I'm an interior designer and, and the two modalities allow me to get into people's environments. And so, you know, my mission, my global mission is to try to bring more humanity back to humanity, um, compassion, love. Um, and I feel like a lot of what you're doing um, and your message is very in line with um, everything that I say and do here on the podcast. And so the yes. entire month is going to be all about this idea of compassion, empathy, meditation, self-care, um, giving back to the world, doing good deeds. That that whole good juju is going to be the month of April. Yes. Um, an amazing month of meditation and self-care and love and all that good stuff. 
Yeah, wow, so good. <laughs> and what a great month too, you know. Wow, April. Yeah, I you know, we had talked about maybe doing it a little bit sooner, but um we really feel like April people are really like spazzed out because of tax season and Mm. Um, but it's also this combination where it's spring, you know, we're starting to get into warmer weather, the plants are starting to change. So we feel like it's kind of a magical time too. So we thought that it was a great time to, I agree. um, you know, and in feng shui, it's all about, um, uh, we have a tool that we lay over the home and it, it's, it represents the family gua, which is all about new beginnings because it's spring. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll just be a really great month. So. Thank you, love. And I also think like spring is such a good time to like reassess some of your New Year's resolution that you set you set forth that perhaps some of them you couldn't cultivate throughout and some of them that you could restructure and readjust and reinstill. So it's a great month to talk about, you know, all that self-care practices that you could continue to cultivate and the ones that are working and continue with that and let go of the ones that are not working. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, I know that I really go with the flow of the seasons. And so in January, when we're traditionally supposed to do those New Year's resolutions, I'm not in the mood because I'm cold and I'm hibernating. And like, (laughs) it's not. Yes, yes, I hear you. Not what I want to participate in. And so spring is like, all right, I'm ready to like conquer the world. (laughs) Exactly. I hear you. Okay. I'm Mm. going to do a proper introduction of you um hey hey everyone this is amanda and i am so excited to have saw de simone i hope i said that correctly on the show today welcome welcome saw hi thank you so much for having me it's such a pleasure to be here and share with your audience thank you I am excited to share you with my audience. Um, I think that um, one of the things that I profess a lot on here is self-care and meditation. And, um, you know, I feel like our culture is so busy looking to external things to really find peace within. And um, it's such a simple thing to basically find the answers within ourselves through meditation and um, you know, quieting our minds and, and so forth. And so I really wanted to have you on because I feel like you are uh, a bona fide health and wellness coach. And, you know, um, I think that people hear the word meditation, they maybe know that they should be doing it, and they're not. <laughs> so I want to get into that today with you. But before we dive yeah. into all that, you know, I, I would love it if you would share your story. I think that a lot of people will resonate with the fact that, you know, you have not always been like this totally laid back meditation transformation health and wellness coach. Um, you started out in a pretty high stress uh, background with the magazine. So tell us how you went from where you were in, and got into this idea of being a, a transformational coach. Oof. Okay, we're going in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so thank you for this question. Um, in, yes, I hope that this, uh, by answering this question, uh, will inspire people to know that they can rewrite their stories, that they can you know, make a change, that we could all make a change, that we could all heal. So for me, it was to give you some of the most pivotal moments was um, moving to America and as as an immigrant and then having picked up a a drug problem when I was 19, when I was living in, in Los Angeles and then moving to New York when I was 21 and still battling with that, still battling with anxiety and depression and, you know, putting on the mask, putting on the role of this coherent actor that everything is always fine and I'm doing my, you know, people ask how you're doing, you're always like, I'm well, I'm great, everything is wonderful. So that was when um, I started to really notice, you know, through this process um, of starting this magazine to go back to, to, to your question. I, this... It's this question gets asked so often that sometimes I, f- I find um, I'm trying to figure out what's most useful for your audience. Um, so I'm just going to tell you the, the majority of the things that happen. I hope, I hope you, you'll be with me here. Um, so starting the magazine at 23 years old was uh, a big dream, you know, um, by moving to America as an immigrant and working in construction uh, 
um, work and as a, as a house cleaner. Um, I, the dream was to always be, uh, have stuff, have a lot of stuff and have celebrity friends and be in that world. Um, so I, I figured that New York was a place to be around fashion, celebrity, and, and, and you know, build um, that kind of, uh, of career. So the magazine happened where I put together this images, this creative direction of all these images that I wanted to make this magazine be. Um, so it's sort of like the face from, from England. It was like this British, we were inspired by this British magazine called The Face and Days and Confused. There wasn't much like this in, in New York at that time. This we're going back like almost eight years ago. Um, so Bullet Magazine was born. It was me and three friends and we started this project um, out of this studio apartment in the East Village. And none of us had, you know, much money. We were all just, you know, eating pizza and drinking Diet Coke and smoking cigarettes. And we're all again, playing that role of being coherent actors in this, you know, world of fashion where, um, I guess the bitchier, the cuntier you are, the more, um, you know, imposing and, uh, you look and therefore we, I used to think that the narrative was the way to, to get things done. It's so funny how to looking back in retrospect, how much I held back from sharing my heart and sharing, um, truthfully who I was because of uh, what I had thought that I needed to be. Um, so the magazine was very stressful. We were very young. I mean, I was 23, 24, 25, and 26 during that process. And we put out the first issue. We had Cindy Crawford on the cover and Mark Ruffalo on the back cover. And after that, we had Louis Vuitton as an advertiser in perpetuity. And everything just blew up. We were from just uh, printing nationally to 12 countries and 50,000 issues. And, you know, having worked with, you name it, from Macaulay Culkin to Juliet Lewis to Blake Lively to Alexander Skarsgård to Pharrell Williams uh, to Elizabeth Olsen. I mean, if, if you look at the roster of people that we were able to work with it was it all looked really glam it all looked really fabulous on the outside but inside I was still aching I had this chronic chest pain that would never go away I would actually go for x-rays once every couple of weeks to be honest because I would always have this the nagging pain was so much that I couldn't figure out what it was and in my the narratives that I was creating around the pain was that oh I probably have some kind of lung cancer because I smoke nearly a pack of cigarettes a day and um I drink and I do drugs and all the things, you know. So that process uh, led me towards um, uh, creative differences with my business partner. And November 22nd, 2012, I was bought out of the, the, this baby. My baby was, was bought for me. Um, and that's when the, the, I guess, the chronic anxiety and the depression really surfaced. To a point that I was like, oh, wow, this is, it's gotten out of hand now. I, because I think the busyness of work and the, and the constantly having to wear these masks for work really kept me from working my shit out, from getting to talk to um, myself in a kinder way, less vicious, to really understand what was going on, and to even have enough time to, to sit with myself, to really notice how chaotic I was inside and how much lack of forgiveness I was carrying around and how much guilt and shame I had been, you know, running around the city with. And somehow we managed, you know, somehow we, we managed until this moment happened. And I was, you know, like I said, bought out of this company. And then I left um, for on a trip. I was like, I need to meet the first person who had ever talked about being a plant-based eater and meditation and yoga and, you know, she talked about walking bare feet on the grass and how that was helpful for her mind. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I couldn't really get it, but I just, I, I felt so good being around her that I was like, okay, there's something here to be um, explored. So I called her. She was living in, in Zurich. Uh, and just a little backstory. I lived with her and two other people in a studio apartment in Hollywood during that time that we all had this, a little bit of this drug problem. Um, she was one of the people that we all had this, we all were kind of diving into that space together. But when we all sort of broke off and I moved to New York, she moved to Zurich, to Switzerland. And uh, she started this juice bar and, 
she's fantastic. I still, she's in Boston right now, so I'm going to go see her soon. Anyways, so, oh my God, it's, uh, this question always like bubbles up so much in me. It always arises, you know, a little bit of like, "Mm, okay, hi. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, well, let me see. Oh, and then I went to see her in Zurich and she's like, okay, cool. Let's go see my friends in Berlin. So in Berlin, I met this group of people who they were so far out from what I had ever encountered. These women had more armpit hair than I've ever seen. They had longer mustaches than I had. They had more tattoos and piercings than I had ever seen. And they were living in a squatter home. And everything was just so different than I had ever experienced. And for me, it was a big shock. And everything they were talking about was about self-love and about transformation and Uh, witnessing their thoughts and witnessing their emotions and having space to respond and not react and um, swimming in a sacred river and drinking a theogenic medicine and meeting their gurus and fundraising for an NGO. And I'm like, this vocabulary, I have no idea what any of this means and world peace and inner peace. And I was like, I am so lost. So I got up and I left. This is during a breakfast uh, that I got exposed to all this conversation. And I got up and I left and I I went for a walk and I came back and Doing that walk is when a lot of things started to click. A lot of things started to make sense. And I um, realized that I needed to make a change. And I came back to the, to the States. I started writing. I got this little house in Florida, in Madeira Beach, and I started writing about this, um, about transformation, about meditation, yoga, healing, you know, positive uh, news and, and, and things that were positive in, in the political sphere and all the, all the good stuff that I wanted to nourish myself, I started writing about it. And within six months of writing about this, me and my brother on this uh, blogging platform, we had over four million unique visitors. And then another buyout happened where this big tech company wanted to buy the name of this, uh, of our company. So I was like, you know what, I can't argue with you guys. You guys are that size. I can't, you know, get my little lawyers to argue with your lawyer. So I said, you know what, this is a sign. It's time for me to really do the work. Because at this point I was I was intellectualizing healing. I was learning from one aspect. I was only um, integrating from a very um, highbrow intellectual um, point. I wasn't really creating this experiential understanding of any of this stuff, you know? And that's when I left for India. And then fast forward, um, Three and a half years later, here I am. That's in short, the story. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's Uh, such an incredible story, though, because I think that, one, I think there are a lot of listeners that are going through some pretty shitty times. You know, I think that um, a lot of us have a narrative of I'm anxious, I'm depressed, Um, you know, feelings of what I call below the cross emotions of guilt and shame and anger and rage. And, you know, I think that many of us look at those external things, you know, the what we are told by society that if we just have a bigger house, if we just have fancier clothes, if we just have, you know, it's always that one more thing that's going to Mm -hmm. satisfy us. And, You'll never get enough of what won't satisfy you. And that's one of my uh, favorite quotes from a a therapist. Um, His name is George, uh, I want to say Carlin, but it's not Carlin. It's something very similar to that. And I always say Carlin because of the comedian. Um, But he always says that you'll never get enough of what won't satisfy you. And I think that's such a brilliant quote because I think that – we are all thinking that we're living the dream, you know, if we have all these uh, external things, when in actuality, um, it's when you really sit still and get quiet and, you know, don't intellectualize it, that the real truth comes bubbling up. And so I think, especially right now, everybody's pissed off and polarized by the political climate and they're outraged because social media you know there's this fear of missing out and we don't have what they have and there's just there's so much anger and rage that's going on and people aren't taking the time to just really sit you know and really connect Mm -hmm. with what's going on and and i'm curious from your own opinion 
Um, I have mm. my theories, but why do you think mm. that we've gotten so disconnected from our real truth and, and that these are not words? Like you said, you didn't have this vocabulary of self-love and, and, you know, knowing your inner truth and having a guru. And, you know, why have we gotten so disconnected from that? Well, thank you so much for this question. I think it's also because of, uh, personally, I, and I actually just wrote a, a page about this on my uh, up-and-coming book that I'm, uh, will be launched in, in the summer, um, about we weren't taught these things. We weren't, they, I say they as into the world, but they didn't tell us that we had answers within ourselves. They didn't tell us that we could heal. They didn't tell us that we could change our mindsets and we can change our lives. They didn't tell us that... Um, Everything counts, you know, every thing that we put into our body is affecting how we connect with ourselves in the world. We were just weren't trained. I think it was, we, we lost that, you know, this internal, um, we forgot what it is to have a relationship with ourselves first. We were just, I think we, we didn't, as a society, we got so good at building things outside of ourselves and we forgot the deeper, most uh, important relationship is the relationship that we have with ourselves and um, and with our memories and how to deal with with everything that's going on inside and checking in with that is a first step to be able to then speak to people in a more as you said a humane uh, humanizing the the, the uh, humanity you know yeah and I think that you know um, these are all words what's your that theory? You know, I, I feel that I agree with you. I think that it's been a lack of education. I think that we are all raised very left brain. And, it, I, you know, um, I realize I'm speaking mm -hmm. to a male here, but I feel like it's a very strong patriarchal system here in America. Um, yeah. It's a very linear way of thinking. And I feel like a lot of that is starting to crumble and, and fall down. And it's this idea of push through rather than pleasure through and it's all very highly intellectual and we've really gotten away from this idea of you know there's not an analytical answer to everything you know sometimes you literally have to go outside and put your feet in the grass and hug a damn tree to get the answer you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes yes but yes, we are taught that that is weird you know, mm. like I had a really uh, funny experience. I've talked about it here on the show where um, in my neighborhood, I all of my um, trees on my property are named. I have they are my good friends. They are my dear friends. And so um, I argue that I probably have a better relationship with my trees than I do some people. And so uh, I was having a complex day and my tree out front is named Arthur. And so uh, my team, you know, we were having a hectic day and I yelled up to them there. They, they have a loft upstairs. And I said, ladies, I'm going outside to have a conversation with Arthur. And, you know, I go outside and I'm out there and I'm hugging Arthur and, you know, I've got leopard yoga pants on and I'm having a conversation with Arthur and I hear something <laughs> and I look behind me and my neighbors, it was a couple, they were holding hands and they had come to a complete stop. And they were just staring at me and like, and they were dumbfounded. And the husband looks to the wife and goes, well, I guess there's one in every neighborhood. <laughs> oh my God. And so oh I wasn't freaked God. out at all. I just mm. said, hi, you know, nice to meet you. This is my tree, Arthur, you know, like I didn't even skip a beat and they were just so freaked out by it. And so. Oh, so good. But it's our, you know that is absolutely our culture. And if you go to, like, I actually, uh, I've got a uh, podcast that I just wrapped up um, based on a listener who is from Brazil. And she mm. actually uh, sent me this very lengthy email. And she was upset that I kept calling feng shui, woo woo hippie shit. And um, mm. I understood where she was coming from because in brazil mm. they're they have their faith is so much more open-minded and it's so much more expanded than the u.s culture and mm -hmm. so one of the reasons mm. that i've done that is because i've been practicing feng shui for 20 years and i've been called everything from a soothsayer to a witch to you know fill in the blank 
And mm-hmm. so, you know, it definitely is a cultural thing. And so I think that we need to teach our kids that it's okay to meditate. It's okay to put your feet in the grass. It's okay to hug a tree. You know, I think that um, this has been considered weird when in actuality, that is how I believe that we've gotten disconnected. We're, we, we've been trained to like push through everything. And I really think that we should pleasure through everything. But that's against the grain mm-hmm. of what we are taught. Wow. Yes. Aho. Aho. And so it is. Thank you for that. <laughs> I agree a hundred percent. I mean, honestly, just thinking back, it's like, I didn't think that I, to, to the very uh, start of, of what you're saying, it's like, I always put, we, I, I have been trained to put happiness on the external things, the more stuff, the happier. Until you realize that none of that really matters, you know, unless the relationship that you have with yourself the kindness you have with yourself, the more you can let go and come back to yourself, the deeper you you can perform in the world. And then beautiful things happen. And then there's pleasure. And then there's magic. Inherent, there's uh, magic. Magic. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's magic. Yes. Agree. Unexplainable uh, so, yeah, things. Thank you. But yeah, exactly. I think that it. what is interesting is that you know, we are taught to look to those external things and and then we'll be happy. And then we reach that and then we're not happy. So we continue to strive. And Mm -hmm. I don't even think, you know, like when you say words of, you know, show yourself kindness and Mm -hmm. have a relationship with yourself, there are probably listeners going, this is not in my vocabulary. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Um, And I get that. I mean, I think at one point or another, we have all been there. We've all been standing at that place where, you know, something has been introduced to us that was maybe considered at the time woo woo and it was foreign to you. Um, but it truly is the mm. thing that's going to it, it, there's this old Chinese proverb proverb that says, you know, return to a place and see it for the first time. And I think that that's kind of where we all are is mm. we're returning to a place and we're seeing it for the first time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that it's more important now. I um, I had emailed this. I think Deborah emailed this to you. But our suicide rate here in Tennessee has gone up four percent in the last year. In the last twelve months, our suicide rate has gone up. And I feel like that's not just in my state. I think it's nationally, globally. I think that there's a lot of people that are in a lot of pain and a lot of anxiety and depression and. I really feel mm-hmm. like um, it's because they are being told or they feel that it is those external things that's going to um, maybe hit the mm-hmm. reset button. I'm not sure. So mm-hmm. I'm curious, you know, because you have definitely struggled with depression and you have been in this place where you have been striving and then found this beauty to, you know, find this relationship within yourself. How mm-hmm. has changing your lifestyle going from this busy, chaotic, crazy magazine to the intellectualizing of this uh, site that you were doing to actually going and living in India and experiencing what it's like to sit, you know, either with a llama or a monk or, you know, taking mm-hmm. on these Buddhist mm-hmm. principles, really mm-hmm. seeing that juxtaposition of where you were to where you are now, how has that completely transformed your lifestyle? Oh, yes. Again, thank you for such a beautiful question. I mean, I wrote this recently too, in, in retrospect. It's like, I remember just being at the most beautiful place or doing the most fabulous thing and always wanting more, always figuring out what else can I add to this? What else can I do to this? What else? What is one more thing I can do to make this even more beautiful? And not being able to sit with people um, quietly to listen to them. Someone could be sharing their heart so deeply with me. And I would be moving. My mind would be moving so quickly, crafting an answer back to what they're going to say. And I was just waiting for that one moment. They would open up the conversation just to be for me to drop in something that I had to add to the conversation. I could never meet the moment fully. I could never be. Pre- I couldn't cope with the present moment. I didn't really understand what that was. And I think another big thing was just always feeling like shit, you know, like always just carrying around this like cloud of fear, of anxiety, of guilt, of shame, no matter how fast outside was, external things were, or how fabulous I looked because I was 
wearing X, Y, and Z, it didn't matter. I was just always carrying around this big bag of shit. You know, and just excuse the language, but um, <laughs> I think it's um, I think it's relevant for people to know how like it was. It was almost like um, I had this background noise of this AC playing in my mind twenty four hours a day, and then all of a sudden I didn't anymore. You know, it wasn't all of a sudden. Excuse me, it was like gradual. The noise got lower and lower and lower until at some point I was like, "Whoa, everything is different." I haven't had those thoughts that dragged me out into the past or pushed me into the future in a while. I forgot the last time I had those uh, those uh, jarring thoughts and memories come up that really dragged me out of the present moment. I, I remembered, I forgot the harmful ways so much that I started to remember who I really was. And that's when I started to really notice like that I did have multiple voices in my head. And some of them were kind and some of them were vicious. And I started to notice the programming that I was watching in my mind and how some of those programs were um, passed on by my mom and my mom's um, genetic predisposition because my grandmother committed suicide. And then, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I shared with you guys at the retreat, but I think we don't have, we forgot to just take a moment to have the self-editing process to notice how often we're feeling not connected to our core, how often we're feeling bad and guilty and trying to overcompensate and we're eating poorly because of our mental uh, dissatisfaction and we're acting, we're just not present for other people. And then we expect life to give us back, uh, you know, what we're not putting out. So I think um, a major part of what's happened is just, I. I wake up excited and I wake up full of courage and excitement for a new day, you know? And I, before I would wake up and be like, oh, okay, I can wait for my coffee, my cigarette. So then I can feel a little bit like, you know, and then I can wear this one mask to talk to this one person. That one mask made me feel this way and this other mask, that other role made me feel this way. And, and then by midday, I'll be so drained by scattering my energy in all these different roles I needed to play and I didn't know who I was. It came to a point that I was just like, who the fuck am I? Like, who is this Sa? Like, what am I here to do? What is my purpose? And and I don't see meaning in any of it. And that's when really I started to notice that, like, I started to isolate myself from myself. I was so far removed from myself through all these external successes that I I, I noticed the the lack of congruence in my beliefs with how I was acting and how I was speaking because the reality is although my parents were weren't really present but my dad was such Buddha nature you know he was always helping out this orphanage and always getting us to do service on the weekends and I forgot about all this and I, I looked down on that I was like oh that's that's weak that's for weak people until you realize that like wow this is at the core of, of, of humanity is feeling good so you make others feel good therefore we're all you know, riding this life and, and seeing magic and everything and everyone. Mm, I love that. It, it gives me chills when you talk about, you know, I, I say on the show all the time, you know, what talent do you possess mm. that can mm. serve? What What talent do you have that can serve the world? And I think that when you can figure that out, that is when you will align with your purpose and things will fall into place with you. And I think mm. that many of us are so busy striving. And you mentioned um, this idea of wanting to hurry up and comment when somebody is talking. And I feel mm. this is rampant where people just don't listen anymore. But I think it's because they're all fighting to speak up because they're not being heard. I, I think it's that simple. So I think it brings me to the idea of another word that I feel gets thrown around, which is mindfulness. So explain to us mm -hmm. what exactly you talk about being present, which is, you know, mm -hmm. this idea of mindfulness. What is your definition of what that means so that the listeners can kind of wrap their head around, okay, I'm ready to change. I'm ready to have a real conversation um, that's deep and has true meaning to it. But how do I achieve this idea of being present and being mindful? Mm -hmm. 
Well, mindfulness in, in a nutshell is paying attention in a different way. It's simply learning to pay attention without all the baggage that we attach to everything, without labeling, and the labels usually create a, an attachment or an aversion, and it drifts us away from the present moment. And mindfulness, two aspects of mindfulness, is mindfulness to what's happening internally and mindfulness to what's happening externally. And once we figure out how to pay attention in a different way, Mindfulness is, is the byproduct of having a concentration practice, right? With, with meditation, with breathing. You can train your mind to expand your short span, to expand your attention span. You know, because we, the default mindset that we have is constantly seeking, craving, clinging, judging, competing. And that, that's the default that we're constantly going, 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 going nonstop. And our attention span is so short. So when we apply these mindfulness practices like meditation and breathing into our daily life we then achieve this state of mindfulness. Therefore, we get to expand our attention span. Therefore, we get to be in the present moment and live life experientially. We can actually see beauty in everything. And that's when we can drop. When we are experiencing a moment of mindfulness, it's paying attention in a different way, in such a different way that we go beyond, I like to say beyond, some people like to say below, others like to say higher than the mental platform of thoughts. It's an intelligence beyond thoughts that arises. There's creativity, there's beauty, there's joy, there's compassion. So all of a sudden we are in our body, we're inhabiting our body. And I, I, it's so funny, um, I remember this, the very first teaching I got was my teacher saying, Sa, come back to your body. And I was like, what do you mean? I am my body. But I didn't really get that into much later, into like a year into the practice. I was like, wow, I don't think I've been in my body. I was always there. I was never really giving myself all of my awareness to the present moment. Because I could be here talking to you, but a part of my energy might be thinking of this other thing that I want to say, and a part of my energy, a part of my awareness could be grabbed onto a past memory that something that you said might, might have uh, triggered me to think about something in the past. I might be looking out my window. I might be drinking my coffee. So my energy is scattered all over the place. And mindfulness is being able to gather all these pieces, all these little bits of pieces, all these little bits of energy that make up who we are and apply it to one thing, this conscious awareness into the present moment. Therefore, our inherent qualities can arise. Mm, true equanimity. I love it. Yes. I mean, it's also, um, there's many ways to describe mindfulness, you know, and we can talk about uh, mindfulness at every step of the way and how to apply to different things. Um, but in short, it's just being able to drop the narratives and find what we're experiencing in our body at the present moment where we are. Well, I feel like, for me, I think the pivotal moment for me was when I was going through my divorce um, almost 10 years ago. And I think that what really did bring me to this idea, because I really resonated with this idea of which was absolutely because I wasn't being heard in my marriage. But this idea of mm. when somebody would say something, I would have a story or a thought or oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I, me too, me too. <laughs> and so I, I understand what you're talking about that and this idea of not fully being present. I've got to take care of this. I need to do this email. Oh, shit, I forgot to do this. I need to call this person. And so I think that our the pace of our life has gotten really out of control. And it's like the faster that it gets, the more we are trying to keep up. Um, mm -hmm. For whatever reason, I don't know. Like now I don't do it. You know, I'm just like, yeah, I, I don't have I, I can't do that today. I can't fit it in. But I know that there are still a lot of people that are trying to keep up with this unrealistic pace. And I love the idea of, you know, paying attention in a different way. And I know what really worked for me was yoga because of the breath work um, and also meditation because it did help me really calm my mind and slow things down. And it really comes back to the idea of, you know, really getting rid of the what I consider to be the trivial things and really focusing on what were priorities. And I think that's another thing too, is we make everybody else's um, stuff a priority when in actuality we need to put ourselves first. So mm. because you are really a meditation expert and a coach, talk to us a little bit about 
what meditation is and the benefits and how breath work, I mean, breath work is so powerful and it's so simple. Everybody can do it. It changes everything. And I think if you can combine the two, I mean, magic, absolute magic. Yes, 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 yes. All full body ass to you right now because <laughs> a lot of people want the magic pill with meditation, but they forget that when the scriptures were written, when thousands of years ago, when these practices were surfacing earth, were resurfacing earth, the first practice was to breathe in a certain way, you know, was to relearn how to breathe. So when we, uh, when I'm teaching class and people are like, I just want the meditation. I just want to just show me how. And I'm like, love, darling, sweetie, dude, let's breathe, you know. <laughs> so thank you for that. Thank you for opening with this. So a precursor for a really solid grounding meditation is breath work. You know, with the, with the breath, we can um, redesign our nervous system because when we are constantly in the stress cycle of highs and lows, highs and lows, highs and lows, we're never in the, in the middle space. We're never in, in, the, in the balance space where we can actually, you know, balance the, the uh, parts of the autonomic nervous system, the parasympathetic and the sympathetic. And a lot of us are operating through the survival mode where it's the sympathetic nervous system is an override where we're constantly just seeking out for threats and our amygdala has hijacked the show, so it has shut off the prefrontal cortex, has turned off our opportunity to creatively respond to life, so we are reacting to life. So when we learn how to breathe again, um, and a simple practice that I can share with you is, um, with your listeners, is putting both of your hands down, the very lower part of your belly, and just uh, taking a deep, long breath into your belly as if you're filling up a pot of water. So filling up the belly all the way up, the chest all the way up into the, the top of your throat and then exhaling all of it out. So you can do a uh, breathing in for five count, a gentle pause for two and a breathing out for six count. That alone, if you do that for a couple minutes, it changes everything. Another really powerful way is for you to just um, Use uh, two fingers on your right hand to cover your right nostril and just breathe in and out of the left nostril. And use the same breathing rhythm, right? Breathe in for five, pausing for a couple, and then breathing out for six or seven. So find the rhythm that works for you. And the, the left nostril is connected to the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and relaxing. It's when the heartbeat slows down. It's when our digestive system kicks back in and we're not constipated anymore. And it's so funny because some people are like, oh, yeah, I noticed that I get really angry and ir irritable when I'm constipated. I'm like, yeah, honey, thank God you're starting to make the connection um, because <laughs> it's so funny that we are so disconnected from our bodies, you know. So the breath is our anchor to the present moment. The breath is how we can redesign our nervous system. The breath gives us access to um, a, a, this magic within all of us. And it's a precursor to a powerful meditation. So to segue into uh, meditation, we can train our mind with a single point. So the, the word meditation, right, is the, comes from the Pali word, bhavana. And bhavana, the translation means um, uh, getting used to it. And it is in reference to the mind, is being able to navigate the waves that we're going to navigate throughout our days and the storms that are going to come uh, in, in, in the mental landscape and being able to, to ride that wave and, and have equanimity. And thank you for using that word. Um, I think this will be the, the, the next trend. Now we have self-love and self-care as the biggest buzzy words and mindfulness. I think equanimity will be something that we're going to be talking about in the next five to ten years as the, you know, the striving goal for, for humanity. And thank you so much for using that. Um, um, so when we get used to the mind in, in the practice of meditation is simply noticing that we are carried away by thoughts, by our, our emotions, and we can use our emotions and our thoughts as a opinion, right? It's like when someone tells you an opinion, you can use to, um, you can take it and you can use it, or you can say, you know what? I don't resonate with that. So meditation helps us to create a space between what we're uh, feeling and what we are thinking therefore we can actually go and make a conscious choice to what would support our healing and growth and when we do that that process of letting go and coming back 
to the breath, coming back to your object of focus, coming back to the one thing that you're training your attention on, that is the meditation practice. It's just return to that space over and over again. And remembering that the nature of the mind is to wonder, that thoughts would think themselves, this is their job. Um, you know, this is what they're uh, uh, meant to be doing. And our, our, our practice in meditation is to simply notice with a witness perspective, with a slight distance, what is playing out, and then to return and to return and to gather ourselves into that space, that home base, right? And the majority of the practices that I teach is coming back to the breath because if we can learn to pay attention to the breath, if we can learn to listen and feel the breath, we can pay attention to anything. And therefore, your life changes because we have just forgotten how to pay attention. We don't know how to gather all of us into the one thing that we're doing. We're watching a movie, we're eating, and we're scrolling Instagram. And we're thinking about the past, and we're thinking about the future. Now imagine if you're gathered all of who you are, everything that makes up who you are, into that one present moment awareness. So meditation is a tool that helps us collect our energy into an object of focus. And some traditions use the breath, other uses a word, other uses the body part, and sound. I think uh, a profound practice is to, to just learn to pay attention to your breath and to notice when your attention has been pulled away and just come back. Simple, powerful, easy, and at some point it becomes easier, you know? And most important of all is to be kind to yourself when you drift. I think that's why the breath work is so important. I think that meditation has been a huge buzzword. And there's a lot of people that are intimidated by like, I can't go and sit in a corner and, and not think for 20 minutes. I think what's so powerful about the breath work is it gives you something to do. And it gives you something to think about. So to reiterate, saw talked about mm. taking in a long deep breath on the count of five. So as you're inhaling, count to five in your mind. Then when you get to the top, you hold your breath for roughly two seconds and then let it out. And it can be a count of five, seven, eight, however, you know, as you first start, you may not be able to do that because your lungs aren't, you know, you've been taking shallow sips of air for 40 years. So <laughs> it's yes. going to take some time. But what's really great about breath work is that it gives you something to do. And it gives you something to focus on so that your mind doesn't drift. And as you do it more often, preferably every day, what will happen is you'll start to shift that parasympathetic nervous system and you'll start to calm the frick down. And you'll start to feel a wave of peace come over you. And I think what's so valuable about doing breath work, and essentially, you're also meditating at the same time because you're calming your mind. But what is so valuable yes. in this is that you start to think more clearly, you feel calmer, and mm -hmm. you don't feel like everything is so damn earth shattering. Like something will come at you and you'll be like, okay, this is what we're going to do rather than, oh, my God, I'm going to lose my shit and freak out and I got to go smoke a cigarette and eat <laughs> a really bad meal. Yes, yes, yes. You also talk about food a lot, too. So I want you to, to talk to mm. us a little bit about food and the importance yes. of in, incorporating this idea of gut health. And, and, and that's a maybe that would be step two after you get the breath work right. <laughs> Exactly. Well, what, it's all connected, right? And I'm so glad you, you the follow up is this too, um, because the the autonomic nervous system actually has three parts. From from um, what I've gathered from my teachers, the third part is the enteric nervous system, which is the gut. So the gut is actually sending ten times more message to the brain than the brain to the gut. And research that came out last week uh, actually shows that intuition, they almost put their finger on it, that intuition is, a, is, a, is a, um, a connection between the microbiome, which is the, the, the living bacteria in our gut, with the vagus nerve, sending a message to the brain. So to go back to the importance of the gut is the vagus nerve is something that also gets toned with the breath, right? And this is so important to know. The vagus nerve is known to be the largest nerve bundle in the human body, is also known to be the physiological marker of well-being in humans. And the gut is, the, is the, the, the highway, I'm sorry about that, the gut is the highway that connects the gut 
excuse me, the, the, the vagus nerve is the highway that connects the gut to the brain and to every major organ in the body. So when the gut is inflamed, you're going to experience negative thinking. You're going to have this overactive inner critic. You're going to be entering into these spurts of anxiety and maybe even acute depression. I know personally the massive amounts, I'm so sorry about this. I'm going to put it on airplane mode. Sorry about that. Um, I don't know how to turn this off, actually, you know, <laughs> on, the, on the computer. But anyways, um, to not get sidetracked here, gut health is a pivotal part to transformations. A pivotal is, for me, was the catalyst to, to healing. Uh, one of, you know, it was exercising, breathwork, meditation, and changing the way I ate. And simple things you can do to clean up your diet is stop eating refined sugar, stop eating processed food, eat whole foods, look at your plate and know exactly what's on there. You know, be able to trace back to what everything is in your plate. If you're still eating animal protein, make sure you're eating that whole thing. You're not going for the processed um, things, you know. And make sure you're not getting this the weird dressing that has 27 ingredients on it, you know. And um, one in, super important thing is to replenish the gut of the good bacteria, right? Because the, if the bad bacteria in the gut is in overgrowth, especially for women, you're going to experience um, candida. And that plays out in the mind as, uh, you know, anxiety and depression and, and all the things. And um, there's so much research out there that actually shows that um, a lot of the uh, mental afflictions, uh, mental afflictions is not the, the right word, excuse me, the, the mental illnesses actually have a lot of connection to inflammation in the gut. So one thing that you can do is um, get yourself a really good probiotic supplement and take that every morning is take some um, apple cider vinegar. That's really good for gut health too. It's just a little cap. Eat fermented foods like kimchi and sauerkraut, sour pickles, and, um, and stop eating so much sugar. <laughs> Oh, and it's in everything. It's in absolutely everything. So the best thing to do, what I always recommend to my clients is, like you said, Whole Foods, which that's not, we're not talking about just the grocery store. We're talking about... No! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, and it can be, here's the thing, for those who are listening, you know, everything that we have been talking about today, Saw and I have been doing for many, many years. So... Um, you know, if you are literally just getting started, don't feel like you have to do everything all at once. Choose one thing that is resonating most with you and start there and step it out um, so that you can be proactive in increasing your overall health and wellness. Um, mm -hmm. Food is a great way to start because you'll start what I noticed when I started eating. Um, I, I'm a vegetarian. And so when I started eating a whole foods kind of diet, food tasted better. It tasted really good. And I could really, you know, when I would eat a salad or when I would eat like eggplants or something, I could really taste the flavors in the food and talk about magic. I mean, it's when you start mm. to really taste food in a new way, it gets kind of exciting and it makes you want to experiment and, you know, try new recipes and things like that. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think that. Um, but whatever resonates with you, whether it's yoga or breath work or, you know, taking five minutes to try breath work and meditation or something like that, do, you know, try one thing um, to start feeling mm -hmm. that change because you'll get addicted to it. Mm -hmm. And when it feels good, take a moment to memorize that feeling. This feels good, you know, because remember the research shows that we're wired with a negative bias. So unless we can offset the negatives, with five positives, we're going to continue to be like, oh, that, that was good. And, you know, take a moment to really say, you know what, those five minutes of breathing, as you suggested, they made me feel great. Take a moment to just say, this made me feel great. Voice it out or write it out or text a friend, you know, and accountability too. maybe find a friend that can um, do the work with you. You know, I, I find I remember how important it was to have my sister with me during um, during this journey and, and my friends, you know, a lot of these long-term practitioners that I found in India who were definitely there for me when I was navigating these, this, the, you know, the inner journey. You, uh, it's so important to have a community as much as you can, if you can.
And I love the idea of taking a moment. I agree. I talk about um, on the show my theory of uh, above and below the cross emotions. And above the cross emotions are all about love and kindness and happiness and enlightenment and all the goods in life. And below the cross is, you know, the guilt and the shame and the anger and, you know, all the shitty emotions. And I do feel like we default there easily probably because of our poor health and we don't eat right and we're not taking care of ourselves um, because the Ferrari won't fill that void. Um, But (laughs) but I really do think that um, taking a moment to enjoy the pleasure, I think that that's another thing is that we are also self-deprecating and we, we really don't allow ourselves permission to feel the good stuff. It's okay to feel good. I'm giving you permission. So um, you are worthy of it and you do deserve it. And so I think that's a brilliant suggestion that when something is joyous, it could be so flippin' small, um, you know, but if, if you gain some type of enjoyment from it, I think it's a beautiful idea to stop what you're doing and actually say, you know what? This is pretty freaking awesome. This is really, I love this. This is amazing. And and write it down or text it or share it with someone. Mm-hmm. I think that's a brilliant idea. I love that. I'm going to do that. <laughs> yes, text me about it. <laughs> I love that idea. Um, because yeah. then you can maybe revisit that, um, you know, before you go to bed or the next day and, and really get back into that, you know, that good juju, that good energy, because it'll bring a smile to your face. And that elevates your chi, mm-hmm. that elevates your energy when you have good thoughts like that. Mm-hmm. And to segue into gratitude, I'm so glad you said this. The gratitude practice is transformational. I know it sounds really spiritual and very, okay, I need to be great. I need to find things to be grateful for. I'm grateful for my bed, my house, my body, my breath. Great. But what's happening at a chemical level is unbelievable. It's incredible. What's, what, what is, like you're actually being able to boost neurochemicals that are associated with happiness. So therefore, you're actually doing yourself the favor. And the more you boost these neurochemicals associated with happiness, you're lowering inflammatory markers in the body. And to go back to the vagus nerve, which I talk about a lot, is you strengthen your vagal tone, you know? So taking a moment to notice, as you said, my love, the, the things that worked that day, the things that brought you to the space of ease and balance and that made you feel good, write them down. And at night times, you know, have a gratitude practice. Notice those five things that worked for you. And take a moment to reassess, you know, as you and I started, we talked uh, previously before we got into the episode of the importance of having um, 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 the the things that are working for us, cultivating things that are working for us, you know, and reassessing later when they're not, you know, because a lot of us start the year with, I know a lot of my clients and students start the year with so many expectations for all the things that they want to do. And if you could just start with the gratitude practice, a little bit of that, notice the things that work and write them down and then reassess them later, it will change everything. Yeah, and in feng shui, in my school of feng shui, we really talk about this idea of cultivating our chi. And so when you have a gratitude practice... the feelings that those above the cross emotions that I was talking about a minute ago, they are very light. They are light emotions. They are, they are light and freeing. And so gratitude puts you in that place. Whereas the below the cross emotions are very dense. They're very heavy. They weigh you down. Um, They're really dirty. And so they make you feel that way. And so the reason that I love Saw's uh, idea of really stopping for a moment to feel the emotion of, whether it's gratitude, pleasure, enjoyment, excitement, whatever that is, if you can bring yourself back to that emotion later on, that too is going to elevate your chi because it's going to be a a memory of what it felt like. You know, imagine like um, when you win an award or something, you feel, you know, excited and you feel like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. It's that it's that emotion of feeling um, very high. It's a very light emotion. So if you can revisit that and continue that, you know, I have a gratitude practice every evening. My husband and I do it where we will say, you know, what one thing are you grateful for today? And I mean, it could be as small as I got a free, you know, ice cream, or it could be as big as I'm so grateful that I was recognized for X, Y, and Z. It doesn't have to be big and it doesn't have to be too small, but 
Mm-hmm. It's really great to revisit that emotion because you will literally step right back into it. And that is going to help elevate uh, your personal energy system. And it will help you start to shift and transform and break, you know, away from the idea of, you know, what we were talking about earlier on the podcast with, you know, just not feeling worthy enough, not feeling good enough, not, you know, it's all those external things. And when you get to this light body state, you don't give a shit. None of that stuff matters. You'll, you'll get to this place mm-hmm. where it's more about connection um, and feeling all the good stuff. And you'll do everything like an addict to stay in that place and to feel those good emotions. Mm-hmm. Wow, beautiful. I love this above and below the cross. Very simple. Very simple. Very easy to visualize. Um, yes, I actually have yes, a great graphic yes. on my website but so we are up at an hour i knew that this was going to go by quickly because oh, wow, okay. i I, <laughs> I could talk to you all damn day um but i i want to know i want to close with what one self-care activity are you coveting the most right now other than meditation Ooh, this is a powerful one thank you for this question right now one thing is noticing when I have when I start to judge myself and to be able to look at that and wish myself well. Mm. I think that is such a profound practice because so often throughout the entire day there's this there's these mini grudges that I hold towards myself sometimes these tiny little um, acts of like competing in with myself and comparing myself to to, to other times you know so that moment of Judgment towards myself that I have, that I'm overlooking, overanalyzing, I say, I take a deep breath and I say, may I be happy, may I be healthy, may I be safe, and may I live with ease. So judgment, I invite you to go through an entire day without judging yourself or others and see how your life changes. Mm, And then stop what you're doing and do some breath work. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you already know that. (laughs) So I want to thank you again for being on today. It was such a pleasure speaking with you. I I think that um, it's going to be people like us that are going to change the world and and bring us back to the core of the things that really do matter. If people want to learn more about you or work with you, how do they find you? Uh, thank you so much, my love, for having me on. It's been such a pleasure to share so openly, and uh, we're in such alignment, and it's it's really a true joy to walk this path with you. And to everyone out there, um, you can find me on Instagram at uh, Sadi Simone, so my full name, S-A-H-D-S-I-M-O-N-E, and at my website, www.sadesimone.com. And uh, on Instagram, I do, I keep myself accountable. So I post pretty much a lot of my meals and a lot of the practices and a, a daily reminder of something that we could all do to help us reconnect to our core. Yeah, and I just want to make a, a note about Saw's website. I think it was so powerful when I went to your website for the first time. Um, I love the fact that you have your eyes. I think that a lot of us, um, as a culture, we tend not to look people in the eye anymore. And so I love that you have your eyes as the first thing. And it says that you are worthy. I think that that is just so fucking powerful. So thank you. for uh, that. <laughs> Thank you so much, my love. Honestly, <laughs> this is definitely a, one of those big things that I needed to, to reconnect with myself and come back to that space and know that I'm worthy of being happy, healthy, safe, and live with ease, you know, that we are all worthy. But until I feel worthy, oof, nothing can happen. So mm. thank you. That's why a lot of my message is about just regaining, reclaiming your power by regaining mindfulness. Mm. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much, my dear. Yes, my pleasure. Thank you again. In today's rush, we all think too much seek too much, want too much, and forget about the joy of just being. Eckhart Tolle. Listen, everyone, one of the reasons that I wanted to have Saw on today is that I think that it is so important for us to start really giving ourselves the love that we deserve. You are worthy of having kindness in your life, showing yourself kindness 
and showing yourself compassion. My hope is that after listening to this podcast today, you will take one thing from it and add it to your spiritual practice. Because listen, a spiritual practice is not so that you can survive life. It is so that you can have a beautiful life. If this is completely new to you and you're completely overwhelmed, don't be. It can be really, really simple. Make it a three-step process. Start with breath work. Maybe take five minutes, sit down in the evenings before bed or before you start your day. Just take five minutes. I promise you it's going to change your life. Add to that a little practice of meditation to just clear your mind. And then maybe add to that consciousness around the food that you're eating. And hey, when it comes to your food, show it gratitude. If you eat meat, be thankful for that animal sacrifice. Prayer over your food is important because you then take that chi and you put it in your body. And that also helps cultivate your own personal chi. It all matters. Just as Saw said, it's all connected. So take the time necessary to give yourself the health and wellness that you deserve. If you've got questions, you know where to find us. Let's chat at thegatescompany.com. And if you like the show, be sure to subscribe. Leave us a review. If you hate the show, leave us a review. Subscribe. We like you either way. And we appreciate you. Thank you for listening today. I'm your host, Amanda Gates. Thank you for joining me on Home Energy Design. If you'd like to learn more, you can find information on our website at gatesinteriordesign.com. All right, everyone. Trust the vibe because the energy never lies.